it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. What's up, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Tea with Mike show. Uh, joining me uh, for this one is Gio. Uh, this episode really focuses on the topic of mental health and uh, public speaking and also how the two uh, intertwine. Uh, so as always, grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let's go. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Tea with Mike show. Uh, joining me uh, for this one is uh, Gio. Uh, welcome to Tea with Mike. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. It's, it's been a while since uh, I know the original date we were supposed to record, but now we're here and I'm happy to be here. Uh, likewise, man. Super excited. You, you know how life is, how crazy 2020 is. And then I was yeah. moving house and then had a foot injury and just just life, right? Yeah, life is crazy, but I'm, we're still pushing. That's all that matters. Exactly. Uh, I like the motivation and we, and, we're already, and we haven't even really started. So... <laughs> So do you want to start by uh, telling everyone a little bit about you? Oh, well, my name is Giovanni Negron Garcia. I am 21 years old. I was born and raised from Reading, Pennsylvania. I currently attend Cutstown University as a communication studies major and I minor in sociology. And my, my ultimate goal right now is to be able to work in an admissions office at a college or, and one day being a, a college president or university president. It, it's an ultimate dream of mine. Well, that's, that's really interesting. And what is it about, what is it that um, makes you interested in setting that goal of hopefully becoming a college president in the future? Honestly, uh, my, my path to get into college was a little bit crazy, you know, growing up in poverty and basically being doubted of ever achieving that dream of going to college. I want to be able to become a president to encourage all students to attend college and to let them know that they do have that opportunity, that I will have enough energy to help them find resources available and be that president that will stand for all. Fantastic. Fantastic, man. And I, you, you, you kind of started talking about it. Do you, you, can you describe in a little bit more detail like what, what it was like growing up and some, some, some of the challenges and maybe yeah. how you overcame them and maybe even turned it into a, an opportunity that you kind of started alluding to? Oh, so growing up in Reading, Pennsylvania as a kid, it was challenging because unfortunately living in this uh, area of poverty, um, are, there was a lot of setbacks, a lot of financial setbacks. Um, receiving an education wasn't as equal as compared to another student who goes to uh, who lives in an area where there's a lot of funding for it. So unfortunately, I didn't get to receive the most proper education. I was really finding myself having to teach myself most of the time. And you know, not only that, I had to face a lot at home. You know, during the recession in 2008 here in America. Um, my father lost his job. Um, my mother was left to be the only caretaker, really. My father was there, but unfortunately, he um, he really couldn't find himself during that time. It was really hard for him to be the father figure that he wanted to be. And he's still a great father. I, I never doubt that. Um, but my mother was primarily the caretaker, you know, the ones bringing the money. Right. And every day was just a hard 
hard day to see her crying, to see her begging. My father basically feeling hopeless that he couldn't help my mother. And, you know, that affected me. It really affected me because, you know, being a child, there's not much I can do. You know, I depend on my parents. I depend on, um, I depend on their strength. I depend on their hope. And, you know, as days went on, they, they were getting more hopeless. And that really affected me growing up. And, Basically, but the one thing that I did have was my education. The one thing I did have was school and going to school. I, I always over, uh, I always excelled well. I always did great in my my classes. I was always that kid that everybody went up to for the answers, but I never <laughs> gave them because that's cheating. Um, but I always excelled at school, and I always wanted an education. And I I said to myself at a very early age, I want to go to school for free. I want to go to school where my mom and dad do not have to worry about paying a dime. And I'm more than fortunate enough to attend Kutztown University with a tuition-free scholarship. And um, it was just a huge journey, you know, with restless nights, having to attend after-school activities, um, you know, having getting to travel when it's paid for. Um, I had to earn all those opportunities. I just knew at a very early stage in my life, I had to earn everything. I, I just couldn't depend on many people. I had to depend on myself and my, and my grit really. And, and that's fantastic. And then, and then, so do you think those skills, which you didn't necessarily choose to, but you started developing from a lot earlier age than a lot of people that self-independence, that grit that you were mm. saying, that independence almost, that own self-motivation. Yep. Uh, do, yep. do you think those attributes uh, helping you if we uh, fast forward to being in college today in 2020? Oh, most definitely. I mean, right now we're facing difficult times where we're on online learning. And but I think the motivation now is knowing that independence that I have in me, knowing that grit, I know I have to finish. If I plan to achieve that dream of getting to graduate school, earning my doctorate one day and becoming that admissions counselor to one day becoming uh, a university president, a college president. Um, there's a lot of motivation I have to summon within myself. Um, it, it, it's like how I say, I can get up in the morning and not log on to class, or I can log on to class, continue getting educated, finish my work, finish the steps that I need to and just get it over with. And honestly, I know right now a lot of people don't like online learning. I do not like it, but it is what it's what's available, and that's what I have to just ride with. Fantastic. Not that anybody would choose a, a challenging um, childhood, but um, it's 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably helped you with uh, the current pandemic situation oh, because you've already got this self-independence uh, and the resiliency and the grit, as you uh, described earlier, to keep pursuing your goal. Exactly. Um, I just have no stop in me. I, I just love to keep going. I just, I have very little excuses why I can't succeed. I, it's either just adapt or or fail at that point, and I choose to adapt always. Fantastic, fantastic man. And then so, so so we kind of had to, touched on your childhood, and now uh, you're currently uh, studying communication studies. And then so I know another big um, aspect of your life is uh, motivational speaking. 
Yes. And I believe you started uh, motivational speaking uh, when you were 15, correct? Yes, I started very early. <laughs> so what? So, yeah. so an, easy, an easy question right off the back is, what inspired you to become a motivational speaker? What inspired me is that I personally need to become the person I needed as a child. Uh, what inspired me was that my peers that surrounded me all wanted the same thing, all wanted all thought the same way and we felt like we were trapped in this bubble and I wanted to inspire my peers to understand that they can leave this bubble, that they can achieve anything that they want to. And no matter what circumstances that you're facing, it is possible to overcome that situation and create a new one for yourself that you're going to love yourself and you're going to find yourself. And I discovered that at an early age because, you know, growing up big, I was bullied for it. You know, I wasn't the the, the most fastest kid in class. I can say I sucked at math. And it's, that's that. I wasn't I the fastest at, kid in class either. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even though I excelled, um, I still found my challenges. And I said, you know what? Every day the sun rises. Every day um, I have another opportunity I can get up and I'm more than fortunate to get up. And every day I can change yesterday. And I said, what if I, what if I started using my words? What if I started using my voice? And I started speaking in mirrors. I started speaking to myself in mirrors and I'm a huge wrestling fan. Okay. Um, huge, huge fan of WWE. And I started doing promos like Ric Flair, like Dusty Rhodes, like um, CM Punk. And I just started doing that in the mirror. And I was like, man, this is clicking. I really love this. What if I did this in front of people? And I just rolled with it. And I created my brand, the Geo Effect, right. which is basically my first name. But uh, I made a acronym out of it. It's Go Inspire Others. That spells out Geo. Um, oh, nice. And, and I just rolled with it. And it just became something so big. I, it's... <laughs> It's very ironic. I created the name in math class. Um, my math teacher was a huge supporter of me, Amber Lynn Marshall of um, Brain School District. She was a huge supporter of me. And I, it just went on to inspiring over 6,500 people. <laughs> I'm 21 now and we're still inspiring. It, it's it's mind-blowing to think about it. It started so early. Uh, yeah. It's also mind blowing because you've you, you, you've still got lots of time to keep growing and to keep building on on the foundations and what you've been learning on your journey so far. Yes, and uh, I think that's I'm very fortunate. I got a lot of years ahead of me. Um, I'm eating more healthier so I can secure that and uh, doing more exercise again so I can live out those dreams. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I, like I just joined a gym a couple of weeks ago because. It's, it's it's always been something that I like thought about like like doing, but I always got really too, too busy like working and and back when I was in college and stuff. But now that I have a bit more like work life balance, I decided to put some of my hard earned dollars in, into trying to find that like balance. And I've only been to one session, and I got a bunch of homework for it, but it, it definitely makes you feel better. Definitely, most definitely, it helps me sleep at night if anything awesome so then so how did you create what was the first event that you ever spoke at and how did you create that opportunity uh the first event i've ever spoken at was at penn state 
and at Penn State Berks, it was one of their extension campuses. And how I earned that opportunity was I, I kept annoying people, really. I, I just said, hey, I, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm trying to get out there. I'm a the motivational word, speaker. The, the, the word and, you're looking for is perseverance. You were persistent in your goal. Yeah. <laughs> I was persistent, but it got annoying to some people. Um, I just kept being persistent. And and then, uh, you know, Mr. Joe Webb, uh, who worked at Penn State Berks, he said, hey, I'm going to give you a chance. I would love for you to speak for my incoming class of freshmen that's coming to Penn State Berks. Now, at the time, it didn't make sense because I was approaching my senior year of high school. So and then I had to go give a pep talk to incoming freshmen. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go make it work. I'm going to go make it work. And it's going to be great. So when I went there, I gave my speech. I told my life story. I gave my message. And the whole freshman class was clapping. They were inspired. They were motivated. And then I asked them, hey, how old do you think I am? And at the time, I was 17. And everybody kept getting, oh, you're 26 years old. You're 30. And I was like, how old do I really look? And um, I told them I was 17. They were very shocked. Um, a lot of them, I got in contact with a lot of them and it really just motivated me from there. Um, even though it was just a crowd of 24, um, people, Nothing I, to do. I, it's most better people, than none. Yeah. Most people never speak to 24 people. No, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I was very grateful of that. Awesome. Awesome. And so, and so what's the biggest demand of people that you've ever spoken to at one time? The most people, uh, the most people, the most people I've ever spoken to at one time was 200, and that was that was mind blowing. <laughs> it really uh, caught my eye, and I I was in the moment. I was definitely in the moment. I know I was senior class president um, from Reading High School and class of 2017, and I believe there's more than 600, 700 people there. Oh, wow. But that was that was a class speech. I mean, it was still motivational. So I can say that one was technically my biggest um, speaking engagement. Technically, I was forced to speak anyway. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I can say that one. <laughs> Fantastic. So I know I would find it like I like to talk. I like to talk to people. But I think I would still find it very like nerve wracking. Like uh, talking yeah. to large amounts of people whilst trying to to deliver a compelling message that impacts other people. So do you, do you ever get anxious when you're delivering motivational speeches? Always. It's always happens before um, the nerves start kicking in. But the thing is, I think what's great about motivation speaking is you can create a character. You know, you and that's the one thing I love about wrestling you can create your own character you can do that tough guy talk but when i do my speaking game engagements i basically become this new person the story is real the story is mine but it's as if i'm speaking it through someone else's eyes through someone else's voice and i don't know if you've seen my on my podcast with a pizza time chronicles with me dressing in a pizza hoodie and uh cloud goggles and a kangaroo kicking around yeah, and you know that's me becoming another character, and I'm able to do that, and that pretty much knocks out the nerves because they're seeing a whole different person. They're not seeing well; they are seeing Gio and his personality, but they're seeing that character that I wanted to portray. 
awesome man. And, and and do you get do you get do you get the same nerves if you're speaking to 24 people? To, uh, all the way up to 800 people is it always the same nerves or is it different honestly it's it's crazy to think i get more nervous in smaller crowds um because you can actually see their faces you can see right. them individually when you have larger crowds like i did in graduation you know there's bright lights already on you it's pretty much blocking out the crowd um and you're pretty much in the zone you know you're, you're like i need to do this and you pretty much don't know but with smaller crowds they get more nervous for some reason it's weird as <laughs> i was actually going to make that like connection next for the very reason that you just just described how you can see each individual face in in the different emotions whether they're enjoying what they're listening to or whether on the flip side whether they're not. And then also when you see more faces, you don't know what's going on in their day. And if it's just because they're having a bad day, that they're not enjoying it, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I've had, thankfully, nobody has given me a bad expression. I have not said anything that will ever offend anybody. I'm very careful with my words. I use a lot of inclusive language. And um, thankfully, I've always either had very attentive looks. I have um, I always make people turn off their phones oh, before that's my speaking engagement. Um, I do address it before um, my speaking engagement. I say, hey, uh, I will not start until everybody has their phone off. Um, and then everybody will just like be looking around and like turn it off so I can start speaking. Um, I, I just really, it, and you know, I, I have this huge thing with time and energy. Um, I'm taking a lot of my time and energy to come out to these places and start speaking. And, you know, obviously some of these organizations, some of these schools are spending money for me to go there and they, I, I don't want to waste their money. I don't want to waste their time and energy to put on promoting me, marketing me for someone to come in there and just be on the phone the entire time. They can be bored. I can see it in their face, but I would rather them be in the moment. And if they learn something, if not, if they don't, they can give you feedback. And that's why I always want everybody attentive. Fantastic. And so do you want to talk about some of the skills that you learn and um, even start developing like when, when you do motivational speaking? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so when it comes to the skills, I always, um, first it comes to practice. I still to this day practice in mirrors. Um, I practice, I try to write out my speeches. I don't write it word for word. I kind of like outline it. Um, I put in different emotion at different points. I don't want to sound like a preacher. I want to sound like I put in the right emphasis during the right times. Um, it does take a lot of time to prepare for these things. You do not want to wing a public speaking engagement because they can read through that. Um, but I think one of the best things, best advice I can give to any public speaker out there is never expect the audience to know what you're going to talk about. You can end up screwing up. You can end up stuttering during these speaking engagements, but they're not going to know because it could have been a part of your performance. They wouldn't know about that. So the important part is just to keep going. Um, I stuttered a lot during my my first couple of speaking engagements, but I just kept it pushing because I know I have more to say. I had a lot more to go on because sometimes when speakers stutter, they kind of stop and then brain fart. They forget everything they're doing and they're probably, they're going to be on stage shorter than what they were attended to. Awesome. So, so is is your message to 
people just to keep practicing like anything i guess like just keep like practicing and then o- over time it, it, it doesn't become you're not aiming for polished because then it's it's, it's scripted yeah. and it's not real and authentic but yeah it's, it's flowing and e- easy to understand exactly and make it yours uh, when you're doing these speeches obviously you put a lot of research into it you put a lot of time into it just make it yours you know make it fun make it vibrant I know there's proper ways to do speaking engagements. I push away from that because, you know, as much as I ha- I know when I do presentations, I have to be professional. But when I'm doing my speaking engagements, you know, it's my story. It's what I had to go through. It's my emotion that I want to feed off to the audience. And um, I think that's and also don't be afraid to create that character. I think that's one of the honestly one of the most funnest things. Um you know, dress up if you want to. I don't do my speaking engagements in my pizza hoodie. I don't do that. <laughs> um, but definitely when I'm up there, I'm always moving. I always play some music, um, okay. interact with the crowd as much as possible. You know, those are the types of things. Just be you. And I believe everybody has their inner motivational speaker. I believe everybody has a topic that they have been researching for years and that they want to share with the world. And some of us happen to have the voice. Some of us are trying to obtain that voice achieve that voice and i think everybody has it in them fantastic and and then so you kind of started going into it a little bit so kind of the energy and the crowd interaction like do do, do you want to expand kind of how you use the the crowd and feed off the the crowd's energy do you take questions as you go through or is it you speaking and then questions and answer after like what's your kind of structure so when i do my speaking engagements i always have some type of interaction so either i will stop doing my speaking engagement i'll ask the crowd and say how many of you um how many of you like this how many of you like that how many of you want to speak right now so i get the crowd speaking in my in my speaking engagement, have them share their stories. Um, I'll make sure to always crack a joke or two, get them laughing. And, you know, because it does get emotional. My speaking engagement, it does get emotional. I, I remember that I remember that group that I did, a uh, group of 200 that I spoke in front of. I, all I said was three words. And I told them, I'm going to tell you three words right now that are either going to make you sad, happy, or are going to make you cry. And I literally said, you are enough. That's all I said. Half that crowd was crying because they have not been told that before. And I fed off that energy and I kept a serious tone and I gave, I delivered the message right there. I did not crack a joke. I did not want to continue because I had a lot more to say, but I ended it right there because it was perfect timing. Smart man. And I let them, and I, right there, boom. And then everybody was like clapping and they felt great about themselves. And that's what generated those questions after in that Q&A session. I kind of leave 15 minutes for that. Um, some people say they leave 10, but so many people have questions. And, you know, when you when you get that emotion out the crowd, when you make the crowd vulnerable, they feel like they can share with you now because, you know, I shared so much about my life and they don't feel scared to ask a great question. Yeah, wow, interesting. So, so, so when you said the words, yeah, you you are enough. I I think it I think it made me feel opt, op, 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 optimistic and more what's the word more driven to like keep going. I was 
like with the things I've got like going on in my life, including what we're doing now, the t- the, 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 the tea with Mike show. Uh, yeah. yeah so, so so thanks for, thanks for sharing that moment oh you're very welcome and i'm glad it made you feel that way cool and, and then so and then and then so how, how long do you tend to speak for at any one time or does it vary um i usually speak sometimes it depends on uh the vendor and the one organizing it they want me to share a five minute story 15 i can do the full two hours Oh, wow. uh, I did two. I did two hour speaking engagements, and those are the most fun because I literally, I literally put interaction everywhere. It's literally, I can say it's one hour interaction, one hour of me actually speaking at them, and it's so engaging. Um, because I've been in speaking engagements that are probably two hours, oh. and it's them talking at you, them talking at you with a PowerPoint, and I, I don't oh, concentrate. PowerPoints are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I. You know, the thing is, it's good to have visual, yes. but <laughs> sometimes they just look at the visual. They don't focus on who's speaking. And but when it comes to um, so it all depends on how long I can speak. But if it's the full two hours, I generally speak for an hour. That's been the most popular, um, for my speaking engagements, um, for what people pay for, um. They will just tell me to speak the full hour. I, I doubt anybody will want to pay me to speak for 30 minutes. It's I wouldn't charge them at that point because it's just me sharing my story at that point. Right. Uh, that's an interesting philosophy. Why would you not charge? Because you don't feel like you've left them with enough impact. To- yeah, I don't think I gave them the full experience because when you're talking to them less than an hour, there's no Q&A. There's barely a Q&A session. There's barely interaction. And it's me more talking at them at that point. It's me doing a presentation. If you, <laughs> me with a PowerPoint, me talking, uh, I feel like that's what the 30 minute presentation is. And I don't want to charge them for something that they're already going to class for, that they're going yeah. probably in a meeting for. I, I don't want to charge them that. I'd rather them get the hour, two hours where they're getting full engagement. They're getting the full experience, the full Q and A session, one-on-one. Um, at that point, I would say, yeah, you know, when it goes an hour, uh, that's when I'll ask for the charge. If it's just 30 minutes or five minutes, no, I'll never, never. Freeman, so, so so here's a good one for you. So have, have you ever found that, you, obviously because you're, you're still very young, has it made it more challenging being a, quote, motivational speaker and then somebody perhaps like older than you with, I wouldn't say more yeah. life experience, but like the perceived perception that they have more life experience. The thing is, it has been challenging, but when I have the chance, they know it's something different. They know it's something like I have never seen this before. And it's, this is really rare. This is coming from a 21-year-old kid who's in college, who's motivated, who's, who's delivering inspiring messages on his free time. Um you know, obviously, when there's someone who's older, they're wiser. They've seen more than me. They've been through more than me. But knowing that this is a different generation, knowing that the uh, the generation now needs to hear something different, hear more of a younger voice, um, my time has come at this point. My time has, knowing that things have changed, the, the motivational speech that we need to hear now is not one that you're going to hear from an older 
older person uh, right. because they've been through what they experienced, they experienced what they experienced, they've been through what they've been through, but not so many of those speakers are, are willing to learn the new trends, learn the new demographics, learn uh, inclusive language, which is a huge thing now. Um, I'm willing to do that. I'm living it now. So it's easier for me to research these things. And so I would say it's difficult in the aspect of getting bookings, but it's more easier for me to, it's more attractive for me um, right. for school because they're like, wow, this, this is a college kid speaking to college kids, which the college kids are going to speak to, are going to listen more. And I speak yes. from college to middle school. I tried elementary school, but I don't think I got that teacher in me. I, I think my, uh, my story, unfortunately, is a little rough. Yeah. Um, and I, I just know from the middle school development until college, that's where I focus. Awesome. Awesome, man. So, like, how long do you spend preparing for these uh, motivational spe like speeches or, or uh, motivational story that you tell? Uh, well, uh, the one motivational story I like to tell is knowing your worth. I think I've always um, been very persistent with that and trusting the process. The reason I've always told people to trust the process is because there's going to be a lot of naysayers. There's going to be a lot of doubters out there, and they're going to try to rush you to do things in life that you don't need to be rushed to do. And uh, knowing that we live in, in the technological era. And knowing that the things that we see where, you know, sometimes they make fun of you because you didn't get your driver's license by 18 or they make fun of you because you, you're still living with your parents at 21. Um, I tell people to trust the process and to know your worth because people are going to test that. People are going to devalue you because you do not have the right materials, because you don't have the right amount of money in your bank account, that you don't walk with enough pep in your step because you don't speak a certain way because you don't um do things a certain way that they're doing it you know uh, we live in a time right now where i feel where everybody's in this competition and at the end of the day they cannot admit that they're in a competition with themselves rather than the other person there's a lot of comparison uh, there's a lot of comparing in this world and i what I emphasize is for people to be themselves, for people to be truly themselves, free themselves from validation, just be themselves who they love, who they love, keep chasing that love, keep chasing that dream. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with people working in fast food and factories. There's nothing wrong with that because some people are passionate about that, but some people have dreams. And I tell people, chase your dream before you chase that job. Because I can guarantee you that effort you put into that job, it's going to last way more than what you put into that job, um, what you put into your dream. It's going to be way more. Right. Understood. Awesome, man. And then, now, so we're just going to have a little pause and we're going to have a little uh, tea fact. Okay, okay. So, so tea is believed to arrive, arrived in Europe uh, thanks to a po Portuguese a Jesuit priest named Jasper de Cruz. He visited China in 1590 when Portugal was granted trading privileges with the country. And he was so what happened was he was allowed to bring some of the plants he discovered with him when he returned home. So that's from foodnetwork.com. So then I presumed he started experimenting and playing around and, and yeah, started making tea. Interesting.
That is very interesting. Wow, I never knew that. I don't know many tea facts, so thank you for sharing <laughs> that with me. It's okay. I we love that. Test you today. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, um, would you would you say that you modify the content of your motivational speeches depending on the demographic of who you who of your audience? Yeah, I mean, I still tell the same story, but obviously if I'm reaching to a new demographic, I have to adjust it a little bit. So it's more relatable to the crowd that I'm speaking to um, and as well so that they feel comfortable and they actually know what I'm talking about. Um, I just don't want to walk into a school and of for the demographic I usually speak to, go to a whole new demographic and talk to them the same way I speak to that demographic. It's just it can be rather uncomfortable and they can't relate to it. So I, I always find a way to modify so that it's relatable. Awesome, man. And so how many speaking gigs would you say you've done so far? Uh, I could say over a hundred. Oh, wow. That's yeah, more than I've been, expecting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long journey. I know I did for 15. Yeah, it's okay. been over a hundred, Nancy. Yeah. Like, have you done any outside the state of Pennsylvania? I did one in Germany. Um, So I left the country completely. Um, I did one in Germany, and it was part of the German exchange program. So I had a partner, and it was through my high school. And when I got to go, I got to speak in front of a group of seventh graders. And it was life-changing because i was like wow i actually made it to germany and it was impromptu it wasn't something i planned it was something that just happened and i was like wow i could put that on my resume uh, i could put yeah, that and say cool. i spoke in germany i spoke outside the country that's really cool yeah and did you know did you know like obviously because you've done a, a fair number of speaking gigs did you know this anything different about uh, that particular audience versus um Largely American audiences, even. They were way more attentive, and mm-hmm. they knew a lot more than I thought they knew. Um, mm-hmm. In Germany, they just were very knowledgeable what's happening, very knowledgeable of the American culture and traditions, and um, they were just excited. They were just excited to see an American in their classroom. Well, I'm Puerto Rican, so. Um, <laughs> So I could say uh, uh, um, Latin American in the classroom, and I think that was great. Also, also, and then, and then, and then, how did you adapt um, to that different type of audience? I mean, it had to happen quick. So I was like, "Listen, I gotta address this. Uh, I gotta address this crowd with a different approach. Um, talk to them, because I didn't know if English was a, a dominant language in Germany at the time. Okay. So I was like, maybe should I talk a little bit slower? Maybe I should have mentioned things that are typically known in America that I, if I spoke to my American friend, um, they would know automatically. Maybe I should explain things, be more descriptive. And that's what I did. I just was more descriptive. I spoke at a slower pace. But they understood what I was saying. Um, it's pretty crazy because I think English is one of the dominant languages in yes, Germany. And, um, I, I felt I like, okay, I don't, I don't have to. You know, I spoke, obviously, I just kept being more descriptive. I think that's what it took. Awesome, man. Uh, and then so maybe it was this event or maybe it was a different event. Do you have, is there any events that um, stand out as the most memorable that you've spoken at? 
honestly, I think my graduation, I think that was my most memorable. I think that's where I left my mark. I think, uh, you know, me graduating, I, I left the one message for everybody. Just keep chasing your dream and don't don't stop and don't let these stereotypes affect you. Because growing up in a city of poverty and crime, um, there's a lot of people who look down on us, especially the surrounding cities, the surrounding towns. Um, you know, I just told them, go be you, go be free. And I think that was the one time that, you know, not only students heard it, parents heard it, little ones, um, little ones heard it. And whether if they remember or not, you know, that was the one that I said, wow, you know, this is, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And yeah, that, that, that was the most memorable one I had. Also, uh, and so do you think it was the most memorable because like, obviously as we've been talking about uh, about your childhood and your, your uh, I guess, t tough upbringing that you've managed to pivot and turn it into an opportunity? Do you think it all kind of, like, if you might imagine a ball at all, like, like, like came together at this very yeah. moment in time, whilst also because it was a transition in your life? Yeah. It honestly it was a transition. It was a build up. You know, I went through so much in my childhood, especially going through my middle school years and my high school years, and getting that full tuition scholarship, getting accepted into right. a college, proving to myself that I am I that I made it in this world. And that despite all my setbacks, I got to this moment where I can have my voice heard. And I will never forget one day in seventh grade when I came back home. And I was crying because I was being bullied for being slow in the classroom, for also wanting to be talkative and wanting to stand out. And, you know, my mother came in and she saw me crying and she's like, Jill, why are you crying? And I told her why, obviously, um, couldn't handle it anymore. And I promised her, because especially during those times, because we were going through that rough period, I promised her that I'm going to be the kid to give the speech at my graduation. And I did everything. Sorry, I got teary-eyed, sorry. That's I did everything in my power for the next couple years to make sure that I was that kid to give that speech. And it happened. And I, the speech that I delivered that night was as perfect as it could get. And, awesome. Uh, it was just a huge journey. That that was that's why it's so memorable. It just everything came at that moment, and then it started something new when I when I got to college. Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing. Okay, so obviously you you've been probably inspired a lot of people through numerous speeches. So some that you may know, and so some that you may never know because that's the yeah. that's the reality of life. But if yep. we but if we flip the the performance or the script, who has been the most inspirational person in your life, and why? Personally, his name is Carlos Ojeda Jr. He is the CEO and owner of CoolSpeak. It's a youth engagement and youth empowerment company that he started, and it's crazy because he was born in New York. He came to Reading, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. He graduated from the same school, and he started this. And the reason he's been so inspirational to me is because he was the first speaker that I saw that empowered me to become a motivational speaker. 
And I did everything in my power to reach out to him. I was like, I would love for you to be my mentor. I'd love for you to give me advice. And me and him have been in contact ever since I got to high um, high school and got into college. You know, he, he has purchased my domain that uh, hopefully I can release a rep- website soon. And he has just been that person to, you know, set me straight when I need to be set straight and just you know, I, I owe a lot to him. And honestly, another person that, uh, that I would like to mention is Amberlynn Marshall. Um, huge inspiration to me as well, because she's she used to hang my quotes in her math class. She gave me all the support in the world. And, you know, obviously my family and my family is a huge inspiration because they proved despite all the setbacks that we that we went through, that we just powered through and we made the best opportunity for ourselves and remained loyal to each other and just know when everything can crash down, we can depend on each other. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of people that I want to thank and, you know, that were inspirational to me, but those three stand out. My my family, Amber Lynn Marshall and Carlos Ojeda Jr. Awesome, man. And then, so uh, in your bio, the uh, you mentioned that you had some um, mental health struggles between 2017 and uh, 2020 can you can you tell us a, in as much detail as you obviously want to go into can yeah. you tell us a little bit about these how it's maybe affected you yeah and and how you how how you're working to overcome it overcome it yeah so unfortunately you know 2017 I was starting, uh, you know, I came out of high school, you know, I'm starting to lose a lot of friends, a lot of the momentum that I had, it was done. Um, I was entering a whole new atmosphere. Um, When I came to college, I wasn't liked so much because I was kind of put on TV right away. I was given a tour guide position right away. And, you know, I wasn't humble. I was not. I I was kind of living in the moment. I felt like a celebrity. And, you know, I just wasn't accepted. And it's because of my my mannerisms and how I talked and how I spoke during that time. And, you know, I really had to humble myself. And as well, you know, I and that was during my freshman year. And obviously I humbled myself. I, I got into a relationship during that time. And oh, I mean, <laughs> I uh, fortunately got cheated on uh, my sophomore year. And that really crushed me because I was starting to lose things that I love. And I really love this person. Unfortunately, they, the wrongdoing, um, I couldn't stand by that. But you know, obviously, I wish them nothing but the best, and I, and I hope they find success. And you know, that really crushed me because I was starting to lose positions. I was starting to lose that momentum. I was starting to lose myself because I, I was wondering, does anybody love me in this world? Does anyone really care about me? Do I care about me? And. Um, it just led to a, a lot of stress eating, a lot of emotional eating. I gained a lot of weight. Um, I was eating very recklessly. I was finding myself um, not going to sleep at all, just very depressed and bad mood constantly and wanting to always, uh, you know, just top myself and always just try to top the last thing that I did. And I was just finding a lot of failures. And I just just pretty much accepted life for what it was. And that's where I knew that I needed to stop because I never accepted life for what it was. And that's where it got to 2020. I mean, I was in therapy since 2017, probably 2019. And 
I said, I don't need this no more. I know where I was before. I know what I had to overcome before. And this is nothing compared to that. And I don't know why I'm feeling this way because I'm not alone in this world. I got a lot of people who appreciate and love me. It's just, I don't see them every day. And I did have to humble myself. I had to set myself straight because I could not carry myself the way I was. And, you know, with with the relationship things, I had to put that in the back burner. I had to focus on who Gio was, find who Gio was, free Gio for who he is and find that energy I once had. And once I did that, it it really opened my eyes and I started losing weight. I started taking all those pounds of stress, pounds of emotional eating off my shoulders. And, you know, I just, I am grateful for life and I'm appreciative of life and what it brings. I'm so blessed. Um, to be where I am now. And, you know, during that depression episode, you know, I, I did lose myself, but I found myself in a whole new manner. And I, I became stronger. I became mentally stronger, more wiser, more logical with my thinking and my actions. And, you know, it, I be, learned how to become a team player and knowing how to give other people opportunities rather than myself because I can find more. But obviously there's a freshman coming in and I'm a senior. You got to give the freshman opportunity. And, you know, and this goes into another person I would like to give thanks to, uh, Miss Irma Aguirre, uh, the one who the whole reason why I got tuition free scholarship, the whole reason why I'm in college she she was the one who was willing to set me straight and she was the one who addressed me on these things and you know i'm so grateful for her without her voice without her presence in my life i wouldn't um again get over the episode that i was in and just knowing that i had her while she was here in kutztown um i give my thanks to her and so yeah that was my depression episode a lot has happened and you know obviously i overcame it I, and like I said, just became stronger. Awesome. And do you ever feel yourself uh, falling back into depression? And kind of what strategies do you use to stop you uh, going backwards or sliding back into that state that you managed to get out of? So to answer your first question, yes, I do slide back sometimes. But what I do to remind myself is I remind myself of my goals. I remind myself of my dreams and where I was. I remind myself of what I'm trying to accomplish in this lifetime and who I'm trying to be and what I stand for. And I keep reminding myself of these things. And that's why I'm not in these long periods. Obviously, you know, with this pandemic and being quarantined and everything, it does lead to it. But I just constantly keep reminding myself, I'm going to make it. I am enough. I am worthy. I am loved. And whatever comes your way, you're going to overcome it. You're going to adapt and you're going to survive and you're going to be the best geo possible. That's right. It's, it's, almost, it's almost a little bit of reminding yourself about some of the messages that you like like give um, others in your motivational uh, speeches from, from your earlier life and almost like listening to the, to the advice that you're putting out there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. So, so what message would you give to anyone who's uh, maybe struggling with mental health? How could they maybe overcome it or yeah. improve their state of being? All I can say is just know your days will get better. 
And my best advice to you I can give you is never be afraid to reflect on what's happening, but just know you can always make progress. And any progress is good progress, even if it's small, no matter how small or big. But if you fall back down, do not be afraid to reach out for help and do not be afraid to push yourself back up and just know you're strong and you will overcome it. Um, it's all about the mindset and just know when you don't think someone loves you, there is someone who loves you. There's someone always going to be there for you. And just because they're not in front of you doesn't mean they're not there. Um, you know, you can survive and I know you can survive and just always know in the same three words that I share in every speaking engagement, you are enough. You will always be enough. Awesome, man. Um, and yeah. that's a really strong message. Um, so, so obviously uh, quite busy because you're, you're in college and um, working on your, on your brand and, di and different things there. And then mm -hmm. obviously, hopefully, eventually we'll get, get back to doing small like, live public speaking. Um, yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Post post pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, away away from all the different things that you've got going on. But what, what do you do to just sit back and relax and I guess self care and take care of your mental yeah. health? Exercise, eat clean, um, clean as possible. I still eat my pizza. I can't get <laughs> that up. Pizza. Can't exactly. I got to eat that. Um, and, you know, podcasting, I think my podcast, the uh, Pizza Time Chronicles, has definitely been relaxing. It's It's okay. been me. It's, it, I'm still speaking, technically. Um, and it gives me something yes. to do, you know? It, it's something that gets me away for a little bit. Awesome, man. And, and before, before we kind of wrap up the show today, uh, is there anything that you'd like to ask me? What is your favorite tea? I wanted to ask you that. Uh, so, so my, my favorite type of tea is uh, Yorkshire tea. It's like how how I would describe it is basically a very like strong like black tea. And then I okay. add like it, it's from England, where I'm originally from. And I I add a very I add a very small small amount of um, milk. Um, and and so it's. I just I describe it as a good strong brew. Hey, awesome! I would say I would say it's to to do to do with um because it's not sweet, it's not sour, it's it's not flavored. It's like pretty plain tea, but um the the kick is in the the strength that I make it. All right, awesome! Thank you for sharing that with me. I appreciate that. No worries, man. Well, th thanks for thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I, I loved it. And I just love being interviewed for once, you know, obviously doing yes, all these yeah, podcasts. I, I it feels this. good being interviewed. <laughs> Why would I do, go, do, especially when I do like well, social media lives or I, I do stuff on other people's stuff, it's like, yeah. oh, I, how do I answer the questions? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it, it's good to get that practice in again. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, let's uh, for sure. Let's uh, let's, uh, let, let's keep collaborating and keep helping each other. Of course, of course. I'll make sure to share as much content as possible, especially on my page and especially my podcast page. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everyone, and, and thanks everybody. Um, 
uh, for watching this episode of the Tea with Mike show uh, with Gio. Um, make sure you check out other episodes of the show at, at teawithmike.com. Until next time, see you later. See you later. It's the Tea with Mike show.